Welcome to the Ozaki Family Wellness Podcast, a guide to finding wellness resources in Ozaki County. Your host, Dr. Camille Berger, will interview a local business or care provider each week to provide you with resources, information, and connections for your family's wellness. As a family chiropractor in Cedarburg, Dr. Berger wants to empower you to take charge of your family's health and wellness. Of course, she would love to hear what you want to learn about and who you want to hear from. To submit a request, head over to ozakifamilywellness.org and hit the contact button to send an email. Or leave us a review and let us know what you think. We can't wait to hear from you. So stay tuned, hit subscribe, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome back, friends. Today, I have an interview with a local midwife named Anja for you. I am excited for you to listen to this interview, but first, I want to give it a little introduction. So, the, this coming up series of podcasts is going to be in honor of our early beginnings birth class that is open for registration. So, you can find that on the website at earlybeginningschiro.com and click services and go down to birth classes and that will take you to the info page where you can get more information, get on our email address and find the link to register. So that's starting in mid-May and it's a series of six classes and each class has a different topic and you can find the topics out on that info page. So, um, we're going to start off this mini-series with the interview with Anja, who is a wonderful midwife that is going to share some of her experiences and philosophy with you. And then I'm going to follow it up with my three birth stories. So, one of the things that's really important with planning your birth is listening to positive birth stories. So definitely stay tuned for those. And there are plenty of other wonderful podcasts and YouTube channels and Instagram accounts that you can find to hear positive birth stories as you prepare for your own birth. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I have with us Anja, and she is a midwife. So Anja, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us about yourself and who you serve? Yeah. So I'm Anja Farron. I'm a certified professional midwife, licensed midwife in the state of Wisconsin. Um, I um, take care of families who are planning to birth in a community-based setting, which would be um, their home or a birth center um, right now, I work with um, Lucky Tomashik, um, who has a little birth suite in River West here in Milwaukee. Um, so folks can plan to birth there and I can be their midwife there. That's wonderful. I didn't know you did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, tell me about what inspired you to become a midwife. Well, I was the kid who was always around the babies at family parties, and I was very fascinated with birth and babies. I used to give birth to my dolls and also breastfeed them, (laughs) Um, to the chagrin of my mother, who was quite embarrassed by these things. Um, So so, um, when this is so interesting, how... um, 
you know, people plant seeds, right? Um, and so when I was in high school, I had a health class and we had this long list of books that we could choose to read and do a report on. And one of them was Methods of Childbirth by Constance Bean. And, um, and I learned about natural childbirth and I learned about childbirth classes. And, you know, here I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15 or something and just found that to be very intriguing. Um, so I briefly considered um, as a high schooler, you know, thinking about what am I going to do after high school? I was going to go to medical school and be an OBGYN. And if I had known about midwifery, then I probably would have gone that path then, um, but I didn't. <clears throat> so, yeah. So then um, I got to, I went to college. I studied biology. I um, met my then um, person who became my husband and we had started having our own children. And um, so I just got really interested when I got pregnant then and started reading all the books. And um, by the time I had my second child, I was kind of down the path of, well, I would like to be involved in this for a career. And I started out um, with um, childbirth education and doula work in 1997. Um, and then took some years off to raise my kids and then came back to train as a midwife in 2008. And I was licensed in 2010. Awesome. So you heard the calling at a fairly young age. <laughs> yeah, I was one of those kids. Like, like I didn't know exactly where that was going to lead me, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I never said at age 14, oh, I want to be a midwife. But, um, but yeah, it just kind of followed that windy path. <laughs> That's awesome. So tell me more about your philosophy surrounding birth and how it's evolved from, I mean, even from that time that you were a little girl playing with your dolls to how you practice now. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, I do think that birth is a normal part of our life cycle and that a lot of what happens, um, in our modern society, it sort of separates it from normal, right? We go to a place to be taken care of where where, where sick people are. <laughs> um, and we're treated by people who treat sick people. Um, and so, which isn't to say that there can't be complications and you can't, you know, need intervention, absolutely, in, um, in your pregnancy and your birth. And that is, you know, that is real. And I've probably come, you know, I wouldn't say full circle, but I, I'm sure that at a point in my training, I thought that, you know, everybody could have a birth without pain medication and um, be at home. And, and the facts are, you know, here after all these years of experience, and it's, it's not for everybody. So right now, what I say to people is you're contracting with me for midwifery care. And I'm going to talk to you about all of your options and all the things available to you and support you in your decision making. And if we end up having your baby at home, that's great. Um, but a lot of times the safest place to be is in the hospital. Um, and I'm really blessed with a great transfer situation here in Milwaukee and supportive um, hospital-based providers. And um, I think that 
now, I think that really is the best of all the worlds, right? Like if we can collaborate with community-based providers and hospital-based providers, um, I do think that that makes for the safest experience for the pregnant people. Yeah, absolutely. I love that so much. Um, I often tell people in my practice that um, there are times when we absolutely don't need like an MD to, to enhance our wellness and enhance our health. And there are some times that we do have an emergency and we do need them. And I'm so thankful that they're there and available when we do need them. Um, My philosophy has always been, maybe it's not the first place we need to go. um, But, you know, knowing when to go is so important and that's going to be helpful for the medical system, for the hospitals, and it's going to be helpful for families at home too. So I love that you have that balance between when do we go to the hospital? It's there when we need it. But if you want to have a home birth, that's doable too. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wonderful. So when you, um, when you have someone coming to you and they're working they're wanting a, the home birth, they're planning for a home birth. What concerns do they have around that? Or um, how do they handle a birth plan? And what process and resources do you go through with them? Yeah, um, that's a big question. <laughs> Let's see. So people have, um, you know, people have lots of concerns. So lots of times people come with a philosophy similar to mine or similar to mine, you know, 25 years ago, um, that their, you know, their bodies were made for this and that they can, they feel like they can do it and um, they would like a non-medicalized experience. I would say oftentimes partners are quite nervous about this idea. You know, it's generally driven by, the pregnant person who comes and says, I want to have my baby at home. And the partner is like, well, what? <laughs> and um, so typically the most common concerns are what happens if there's an emergency. Um, and then, you know, I just say to them, well, that's part of why I've worked with, you know, I've talked to EMS in the areas where I cover and I um, have a transfer situation for hospital um, care if we need it. And, and myself and my team are all skilled in emergency emergencies that typically happen in birth. So um, we can handle hemorrhage at home. We can resuscitate the baby at home. Um, we can resolve a shoulder dystocia, meaning that if the baby between the birth of the head of the baby and their rest of their body, if the baby gets stuck, we can manage that. Um, yeah, I've you know been a midwife for 12 years and I trained in a high rate birth center in El Paso, Texas, and I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> and so um, so those things, you know, you start to just handle a lot of things. Um, so that's typically what the biggest concern is, is what happens if there's an emergency and can we get to where we need to be or mm-hmm. can it be resolved at home? And usually the answer is yes. Um, and again, like I do risk assessing really at every single prenatal visit and all the way through all the labor and the birth. And if something is not going 
like I understand birth to go and I understand how birth goes now after all these years, um, then I have a, you know, a conversation that says, well, we should probably head into the hospital because I don't actually, you know, want to be in a situation where I've pushed things to a limit that, um, that makes it unsafe. Um, and sorry, so there was like a three-part question there. Yeah. What are their, <laughs> what, what are their biggest what, concerns? What resources do you give your families as they're planning a home birth? How do yeah. they prepare for it? So many resources available to people now, right? Like I only have the library, <laughs> which uh, libraries are amazing and everybody should go there, but, um, <laughs> but I only have the library. And so, um, so there's lots of great, um, you know, natural birth or home birth kind of accounts on social media and YouTube and people can watch births. I do still have a lending library, um, because I think books are great. Um, not everybody's a reader, though. Um, and then I really do like to partner with local um, care providers as well, who are supporting pregnant moms and new families like you, and um, you know, pelvic floor specialists and yeah. childbirth educators and doulas, and who are there for labor and also postpartum doulas. Um, so I just building a network of, um, of referrals so that everybody can sort of wrap around that family and support them in this big transition that they're having. I have a list of conversations that I take people through so that they can, again, they're understanding their choices and what's available to them and um, a lot of educational handouts and, that they get over the course of their care as well. Awesome. Um, kind of building on that, tell me about what prenatal care is, is like for, um, someone coming to see you and how it's different from general, like typical Western OB care just yeah. in the, in the prenatal period. Yeah. So, I mean, lots of things are similar, right? I follow a similar schedule. I, do similar things. We take vitals at every visit. We do lab work. And there are times when we offer up ultrasounds. <clears throat> but I think probably the biggest difference, because what makes community-based birth safe is the planning and the, the conversation about um, what will that look like for you. So my visits with folks are scheduled for an hour long. And um, they get an opportunity to ask all of their questions. They are welcome to bring their partners, um, any other support people who will be there with them at the birth. Um, and I'm happy to entertain all of those questions as well. So I think that's probably the biggest um, chain, the biggest difference. Um, and then also I'm a myon abdominal therapy practitioner. So, um, so my pregnant people get us treatment at almost every prenatal visit. So, which is like your midwife gives you a massage. <laughs> It's so wonderful. <laughs> and the hour long appointment that I mean, this to me is like, the most amazing thing. And what sticks out to me is so different in seeing a midwife over an OB. Um, personally, I have had an OB. Um, and then I had like a group of midwives that were within an OB practice. And those appointments were maybe a little bit longer than my OB appointments. Like, I'd give them like, 
10 to 15 minutes instead of five minutes. <laughs> um, but I did feel even in that like hospital type setting so much more supported with midwives. And then, um, for my third pregnancy, they had started, um, Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's like the community, community-based appointments. So they had, um, monthly appointments where you would go and you would still like, they would still do vitals and do a belly check and that sort of thing. But then as a group, the moms would be together and, and more of the discussion would happen. So they were like moving towards more education in that particular practice. And I really liked that. But yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. So, and I think too, like, especially in, if someone does want to have a hospital birth, but want more of a holistic type of care, they can still get that. And I love that. Um, I don't know if that's an option in Milwaukee at all, but because I was in Iowa during this, but <laughs> I love the options that are becoming available. Like there should be more options. You should be able to go down the road that you want to go and choose the options you want to choose. And more than just even your provider, like having massage during pregnancy is absolutely lovely. Whenever I have have a pregnant mom ask me if they should do it. I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think about it. I think about it when I do, I do this part that like stretches people's hips and their back. And I, I, I remember how I felt when I was pregnant, right? Like, even though that was a long time ago for me, but, um, you know, that would feel so good to just have your hips stretched because you're just carrying that baby all around. Um, yeah, so there's lots of great options, I think, for people. Um, I, I think that that's, um, it's a group prenatal care model is really brilliant. And, um, and I'm very curious about that and would be, um, would be interested in participating, participating in that too. So um, maybe down the road. <laughs> yeah, it would be a really neat option. And I think it could be added on to any type of care you were already receiving, whether it's an OB, a uh, hospital-based midwife or a home birth midwife, I don't see any reason why it couldn't just be standard and available. Um, sure. <laughs> but yeah. we got to get there as a community first. <laughs> I, I do want to just say like the short visits are not on the provider, right? Like the providers all want to provide good, you know, high touch personalized care and they're you know they're just a part of a system that doesn't allow them to do that and so I do think that um I I do think that it's reasonable like as a society for us to sort of examine that I don't know what the mechanism for that is but um but certainly five or 15 minutes of a prenatal visit is um is not doing it, I think, for a lot of people. And I, and I do talk to a lot of people who had birth in a hospital setting who don't understand what happened to them or, um, or what their choices were or, you know. Um, so I, I, I think that's something that, again, like it's a, it's a bigger systems sort of question. And I hate to, you know, put that on any individual provider because they don't have control over it, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, I don't think I've ever had a provider that doesn't want, doesn't want the best for their, for, for me, like as a patient or for my children. 
Um, but they can be restricted by the the limits put on them because of the system, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. <laughs> um, so tell me, I, I want to switch gears a little bit. Um, tell me about a beautiful home birth experience that sticks out to you. Well, I mean, there's been so many. <clears throat> and um, I think... I don't, I don't necessarily want to talk about an individual sure. um, experience, but I would say that um, when we, when we end up with a birth that everybody communicated and we all understood what the needs and wants of the laboring person were. And once the baby comes, I mean, it is, an absolute triumph. And sometimes that looks like laboring at home and having your baby in your own bed or in a birth pool that you've gotten and surrounded by, you know, music and lights and birth affirmations. And it looks really great in the pictures. And sometimes it looks like we did all that. We labored at home. We soaked in the tub and then we ended up transferring to the hospital and then we labored long in the hospital too. And then we had a C-section. And mm. I think the thing is that that's also a triumph. That baby was also born. That was a, an enormous special day for that family. It was long and hard and they fought for that birth too. Um, and so I never want anybody to feel like somehow their birth was less than, um, because it isn't because the baby came and, and here we are now we just need to, um, sort of follow up right with the aftermath of that, the, um, the plan that didn't happen, um, and, and there's a lot of support that happens around that too. So the thing that sticks out to me is that the communi communication is the key. And mm -hmm. I've never identified this before, but I would say that is what has made the difference in my, my own births. Um, my first, there was not a lot of communication. It was just like, I was told what was happening. Um, and I didn't really think too much of it. I just figured that's how it was. And it wasn't a great experience. Um, so then my second, I took charge and made sure there was a lot of communication. I asked a lot of questions. I talked to my group of midwives a lot. I had a doula communicated with her so that she could communicate with the nurses. My husband knew exactly what support I needed from him. And that level of communication just really was empowering to me. And I had exactly what I wanted out of my birth. Um, yeah. yeah. And then there was a breakdown of communication with one of my postpartum nurses where I was just like, get her out of here. But <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my third, honestly, like it happened so fast that there was not even time for communication. And I felt a little slighted in that birth as well, where it was like, I had no control over it. I mean, and that's birth, like you don't have any control over yeah. any of it. But like yeah. 45 minutes is so fast that like, there's just like, how can you even communicate in that? Like, it was yeah. a lot of like, oh, the baby's coming. Um, yes, exactly. So, um, 
that's very insightful. That's, oh, and we do have, we do have some control over communication and we can prepare. We have so many months to prepare. So that's really empowering. That's really wonderful. I think that, I think it goes probably best for people who sort of understand that they're walking into an unknown, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I can't predict what the outcome of your pregnancy or birth is going to be. You can't predict that. Your partner can't predict that. No doctor can predict that. Um, No test ultrasound can absolutely predict what the outcome will be for anyone. And so, I mean, I more and more have come to see my job as I'm like the wilderness guide. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we're going to, you know, encounter a storm or if we're going to, you know, there's going to be a tree down in the middle of the path, right? Like I'm, but I, I will be there for whatever this uncertainty is. We're going to walk into sort of an uncertain unknown. I've been there before. I'm used to what that looks like, but your journey is going to be your journey. It's going to be different than the 400 other people I've walked with. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's the thing I think that helps people to kind of be in the right mindset about planning a community-based birth. Yeah. And each baby, even of my own chooses their own way into the world. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it fits their personality still today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then after the birth, what does postnatal care look like with you? And how is that different from seeing a traditional OB? So in the immediate aftermath of the birth, like the birth has just happened. um, I would say this is a pretty big difference. Um, As long as a baby is stable and breathing, they're in the birthing person's arms. Um, We try to get them you know, latched on and nursing within an hour, if that's what the family is wishing for in terms of um, their feeding choices for their baby. Um, We don't clamp and cut the cord right away. Um, Your baby gets their full, you know, transfusion of blood from the, the placenta. All the blood that's in the placenta belongs to the baby. So we let that just happen. Um, while we're watching for hemorrhage and all of that, you know, um, and then um, usually in the second hour after the baby has been born, then we um, do a full newborn exam. Um, we offer the family the required medications that are required by law, erythromycin and vitamin K. Um, but we talk about that prenatally and we also talk about that in the moment. Once mom and baby are stable and and ready, we we leave. <laughs> we tuck everybody into bed and um, we get mom cleaned up and gone to the bathroom and fed and um, clean up her space. Um, so we're really there pretty short. It's two to four hours usually in the postpartum, depending on the events of the birth with lots and lots of instructions and some, um, some person has to be an adult has to be with that birthing person for, you know, the first week would be ideal if somebody could be with her for a week. 
And then um, we come back for a home visit between 24 and 48 hours postpartum. So one of the things about community-based birth is that you're taking a lot more responsibility um, into your own hands for your own health and well-being and that of your baby. Um, we do a phone call check-in and I'm still on call for those people. And certainly there can be complications that happen from the time that we leave and the time that we're going to come back. Um, and so that's why I'm still on call for them in that period. And that, and then, um, so the team comes for a home visit 24 to 48 hours later. And then we, um, depending on um, feeding choices and how that is going, um, we might see them in the office four or five days postpartum, um, making sure that um, breast or chest feeding is going well. And then, um, and then we do office visits following up. Um, the thing I say to people is, I'm gonna just give you as much postpartum care as you need. I want to make sure that this, um, lactation is established and is going well if that is how they're choosing to feed their baby. I am a lactation consultant. Um, and so folks don't have to necessarily seek care elsewhere. Um, I can um, assess the baby for oral ties and um, refer them out if they need um, additional treatment for that. So I try to just stay in contact and make sure that everybody gets off to a good start. That's awesome. I love, I love that you're a lactation consultant as well, because it's a very common story that I hear that breastfeeding was going really well in the hospital. And then we went home a day or two later and I just couldn't get her to latch. So I just started pumping and, and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I often can tell like it wasn't the outcome that was desired. Um, so having a little bit more support can be really helpful to those families. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's really important to just, you know, to, what are your goals for this? Mm -hmm. how, how, what are your decisions around feeding your baby and how do you want that to look? And then, um, and then we will support them in that plan. Wonderful. All right. Any last words? Um, well, I just, I'm really glad that you called me for this <laughs> and, uh, and I really appreciate, um, I appreciate chatting with you and I appreciate, you know, talking to other providers that support new families in our area. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for joining me and providing, providing a different type of care for families. It's, it's so wonderful to have. Um, so tell our listeners how they can find you. Uh, so you can find me on the web. Um, it's just my name, anjafarin.com, A-N-J-A-F-A-R-I-N.com. Um, I do have social media, same, it's my name. <laughs> so <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, uh, I do have a Pinterest page that I don't pay very much attention to, but there's some good pins on there. Um, if you're looking for some resources. Um, so yeah, love to see people check in. Wonderful. Um, one last minute question, if you have a moment. Sure. Um, can you talk about just the area, like the, the distance of which a midwife typically serves? And, um, oh, I had another part of that question. 
start with that, I guess. Like, how far do you travel? What areas do you serve? Um, when I started first talking to midwives, I was surprised at how far a midwife will, will travel for a birth. So I think that's a common misconception. So I'd like for you to share with, with everyone about that. Yeah, I cover an hour radius of my office, which is located in Thamesville, um, Mequon area. So um, I go up as far north as Sheboygan, Plymouth. I don't really go more north than that. Um, but I will do an hour radius, obviously, our radius puts us in the middle of the lake on the east side. Um, but <laughs> but um, that is that is an area that I have felt comfortable with for a really long time. I know I have colleagues that um, live in very rural areas who are traveling two hours sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, in Wisconsin, there's plenty of midwives and not plenty, but there's a good coverage of midwives. And so I don't think very many of us are traveling that far, maybe some who are more in the northern regions. Um, and I, as I am getting uh, more and more gray, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, how could I, how could I manage to drive less? Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I, I, you know, I would like to, you know, my area to shrink a little bit. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> I think an hour radius is still generous. Honestly, I was like, wow, that's a drive. That's a lot. I mean, especially if you have back-to-back births at different ends and you need to sleep. And oh, oh, that was the other question I was going to ask. How many births do you typically do in a month? I'm willing to take five due dates in a month. and I have not, uh, I've done some assisting as well. So mm-hmm. I have attended as many as seven births in a month, um, which is a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> for one person, you know, with all of the factors that you just raised, right? The travel and the one person-ness and, and also the fact that what we're providing in the birth, labor and birth is is much more intense than a lot of, um, you know, hospital-based providers are doing. They have like, an, you know, whatever, a 10 or 12 hour shift and then they go home and somebody mm-hmm. else takes over taking care of that, that laboring person. And people can be in labor for, you know, 24 hours. Um, and so, so the one hour drive in that scenario mm-hmm. is really reasonable unless you're a person with a history of a really fast birth, in which case sometimes I um, drive close by and hang out at the library <laughs> if somebody's, <laughs> somebody's <laughs> close or they're like, well, maybe I've, I've had maybe some things. And I'm always like, mm, don't want to miss you. <laughs> oh, yes, we've talked about that before. So, <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that was the last of my last minute questions. Um, I just felt like like those things are kind of some misconceptions that I wanted to clear up for listeners. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah.
Thank you for listening to the Ozaki Family Wellness Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Watch for future episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. If there is someone that you would like to hear on the podcast, please visit ozakifamilywellness.org to contact us. There's also a link in the episode description. This podcast has been produced and edited by Easy Street Media.